Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. When you talk about love, which this chapter is all about love, this is the time of year. Now, I, I can understand people saying, well, wait, why are we talking about First Corinthians 13? It's Christmas. That's why we're talking about it, because it's Christmas. There is no greater demonstration of love than the fact that he would leave heaven and he would come. And he would be born and walk among us. There is no greater love. And the greatest of these and all the gifts that Paul has been talking about, the greatest is love. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? So we're going to be talking about chapter 13. For some of you in business, it's not that chapter 13. It's a little different. Okay? It's a good chapter 13. It is probably the, the greatest statement written by the apostle on love. And it comes in the middle of a church discussion where he has already talked about all the issues and all the things, uh, like how everybody's different, but we have a place here. And he says, some of you are a hand, some of you are a foot, some of you are an eye or ear, whatever, but we all work together. I just think it's amazing. In fact, some people find it a little uh, startling that he would interrupt that discussion in chapter 12 with a chapter that is just about love. But I can tell you why I think he did it. What does the church need more than love? What, what is it that we need to understand more than that? I can tell you for me, I've had a prayer from the day I got here. From the first time I walked in this room and I, and I just stood here and, and, and looked, it was a, a different room. We had we remodeled since then, but I remember having this thought, oh my goodness, if we could love this city with this many people, we could change this city for Christ. And, and, and I remember just having that thought. And so here, this is what I prayed for us. And by the way, I'm going to stay seated. Most of the time, a lot of you like to read into everything that I, I do to try to figure out something's going on. Well, yeah, something's going on. I'm trying to recover. So I'm going to sit down the whole time. Um, I have prayed from the day I got here this prayer. Lord, I know there'll be other places people can go that have better speakers, better communicators. I know there'll be places people can go that maybe there are better buildings. And places they can go where maybe there's better music. I don't see how. I mean, I don't have any idea how you could find a place that has greater musicianship. But God, I pray people will never find a place in this city that loves them more than First Baptist Orlando. I want us to be known by our love. Because I believed then and I believe now it is the true measure of the spirit of Jesus. When people are loved, you go where you're loved. It's just natural. 
And so Paul introduces this and says, listen, I know you may have this gift and that gift and you want this and that, but remember above all, love. And to me, the Christmas season is that beautiful time when God loved us so much that he sent his son. In fact, I'll, I'll put it this way. If you ask me what I thought the, the, the greatest Christmas miracle is, I mean, they're all incredible. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe the angels appeared that night. I believe that the sky was ablaze with the glory of God. But to me, the greatest Christmas miracle of all is that we even have a Christmas. I'll never understand why he left heaven to come for me. I, that it's beyond anything I can imagine that he would empty himself and he would become one of us and he would walk with us. And so for me, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, that's who we've got to be, especially this time of year. So with your Bible open, I want you to read with me. I'm going to start just verse 1 and we'll, we'll, we'll make our way through slowly. Verse 1, chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I have not love. I'm a noisy gong and I'm a clanging cymbal. Now those two gifts, gift of tongues of men and the gift of tongues of angels, those were two legit gifts. I believe one of them is referring to prophecy and one of them is referring to ecstatic utterance. It's a prayer language, a praise language. I still believe those gifts are operating in the body of Christ and in the church. But I want to make sure you hear what he said. It doesn't matter if you have those gifts. If you don't have love. Do you know what the, the world hears? And he, and he uses a, a, a clanging cymbal. Uh, I didn't realize the backdrop, but in Corinth, there are a lot of pagan temples and pagan churches. Uh, and one of them, when they couldn't get the God to answer, they would sound a gong. And they would sound this symbol. And, and many think he's referring to that. He's making fun of them, trying to wake their God up. I can tell you the way it comes across to me. When we may have all the right words and we spend all our time talking about this and talking about that and all we are is words, the world hears nothing but noise. But the moment we love, the world hears about Jesus Christ. For me, this is my goal. For one who has to talk a lot, Lord, let my words be few and let my love be great. So that no matter the gift of tongues or the gift, you know, of tongues of men and tongues of angels, no. Lord, I want to demonstrate love. After all, Jesus is the Word. You remember John's Gospel, chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He is the Word. I mean, even Hebrews 12 says that he is the final word. He, God has spoken to us through Jesus, his son. And then verse 14 of that opening chapter of John, and the word became flesh. And we saw it. And it dwelt among us. And we saw the glory of the, 
of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what I'm saying is, Jesus is God's word. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't know much of what he said before he was 30 years old. I mean, it's not like when he was walking around as a baby, he's quoting scripture. In fact, we don't know of a single place in the New Testament. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying we don't have it recorded in the New Testament where Jesus ever looked at somebody and said, I love you. How startling is that? Well, I think it makes perfect sense when you realize it's not about your words, it's about how you love. And Jesus demonstrated his love. Jesus lived his love. So more important than our words is how we love. And the second thing he says, so what if you have power? This is the shocking one to me. This is verse two. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. I mean, you, you hear what he just said? Spiritual power. The strength of our faith is not as important as how we love. He said, so what if you got prophetic power or, or you understand all mysteries? I mean, how cool would that be to be able to explain everything or to even have enough faith to look at that mountain or to look at that issue or look at that problem and say, be moved and immediately it's moved. He said, that doesn't matter. If you don't have love, that doesn't matter at all. We all want power. I mean, every, that's been the cry of the human heart. We want power. In Acts, Simon, in chapter 8, there was a magician named Simon the Magician. He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get it. I want an honest, honest answer. Let me just check out the room. How many of you have ever wanted God to send a lightning bolt at your command? Just maybe just, just in a certain situation, you said, Lord, could you just strike? Uh, come on, let me see your hand. It's, it's all, we're all good. Okay. That's what I thought. Every one of us would love to have the power. Simon the magician asked Peter, how much does it cost? And in Acts 8, Peter looked at him and said, it's not for sale. You don't get this power because of your money. And so Peter asked the man to repent. He said, you need to repent of that attitude. But it's just been a part of the fabric. The Greeks, the Greeks, they wanted the power of the gods. I mean, if you've read any Greek mythology, it was it's crazy. Man was always trying to get power. And what's amazing is, is that we all live in a culture that Marvel Comics has come along and tapped into that because all of us grew up thinking we had a superpower and we all wanted that superpower. I grew up and I'm going to warn the children, please, kids, do not do what Pastor David did. I'm telling you just straight up, I would put a towel around my neck and I'd jump off everything I could jump off. Because I knew at some point I was going to fly like Superman. I'd been watching Superman. And I wanted that kind of power. I thought, how cool would that be to just be able to jump? And then when Spider-Man came out, 
Man, I went around doing this and I, nothing ever happened. Well, here's the good news. You have that power. The greatest power the world has ever known was in a manger that night. Think about it, the one who created the heavens and the earth. The one, according to Hebrews, who upholds the universe by his righteous power. He's a baby. I mean, he is wrapped in swaddling cloth in a manger, but even before that, he's tied to an umbilical cord to a peasant girl named Mary. And yet he created the heavens and the earth. And there he is in a manger. And the world didn't even know. Danny described Bethlehem last week, and he was right. It's crazy. And that night it was crazy. The world didn't stop to recognize that one of the most powerful things that had ever happened in history had just happened. No. I've been to Bethlehem. It's crazy today. There's a place there. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. It's right across from where Jesus was born. And you know what the name of it is? It's a coffee shop. The name of it is Stars and Bucks. And I'm like, I got to have a cup of coffee from Stars and Bucks. Risk my life crossing traffic, trying to get over there, this crazy place. But that city, then and now, totally missed the power in that night. Because the greatest power that the world has ever seen came in the form of a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. And if you live, if you follow his life as he lived, think about it. He's in the garden, he's about to be arrested, and they come to get him, and they know, the disciples know something bad is going on. And Simon Peter pulls a sword to save him. You remember the soldiers were arresting him, and Peter pulls a sword, and he's going to save the day. Like, Jesus needs my help. He, he needs my power. And Jesus looked at him and said, no, put your sword away. I don't need that. And then he tells him one of the coolest things. He said, Peter, do you, do you not realize I can call on my father and he will put at my disposal 12 legions of angels? Now, you know how many 12 legions of angels is? It's 72,000 angels. Now, just let that run around in your head a minute. 72,000 angels, and he could have called them because he was about to get arrested unjustly. And he didn't call them. And then he's hanging on a cross. And literally stripped naked before the world. And there's these people taunting him. They're spitting on him. They're making fun of him. They're, they're mocking him. And man, if I was ever going to call on those 72,000 angels, I would have demonstrated my power then. I would have said, I'm going to show you. You made a mistake and you're going to pay for it. I'd have called those angels to come and they would have destroyed every. Do you know what Jesus said from the cross? Father, forgive them. You want to tell me what's greater than 72,000 angels? What's more powerful than the armies of the world? Somebody who can look at people crucifying him and say, Father, forgive them. It's the greatest power known to man, the love of Jesus, forgiveness. 
And that's exactly what he came to do. And guess what? Now, power lives in us. So while we still long and want to have the superpowers of the, of, the, of the silver screen, I'm telling you, you have a power that is even greater. His name is Jesus, and we celebrate his birth and the gift of Jesus this time of year. Let's just enjoy that power, but it is the power of love, and it is the power to change our world. And then the last thing he says here is, is what if you give all your goods away? And he, he says, literally, and give your body to be burned. This is verse three. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. How could Paul say that? You give your body up? You, you give away everything you have? Is that not noble? Is that not the most incredible thing? Uh, yeah, but if you don't do it out of love? Well, show me what would be an example of doing that with love. I'll show you an example. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus came and gave himself. Why? Because he loved you. And he loved me. It does little good to go around and bragging on what we've given up and what we've given away. I mean, our partners, Love Orlando, for Orlando is, is an incredible ministry, and I'm so proud. I'm like Jari, and I just, it makes you very thankful for this church. But if we give all that money away, and if we give all our time and service away, and we don't love, it's nothing. For God so loved that he gave. And Paul said in Romans, but God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the greatest power the world's ever seen, it came at Christmas. And he is with us today. And I can tell you that for me, understanding that and letting that get in me, it took a while. I just, let me tell you my first job. My first job as a pastor back in the 70s. I was so excited. A little church of 21 people called me. Uh, I thought I was in a mega church. 21. I'm like, wow. Well, how am I going to do that? And I remember, man, I had all these plans and I said, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I talked about a building we were going to build. I, I, I just, man, I, I had it all figured out. Six weeks into that first job, there was a guy named Watson Harris there. He was the deacon. <coughs> now, we had other deacons, but they didn't matter. You know what I mean? There was one. <clears throat> he pretty much owned the church. I mean, it was his family. So he came up to me after the service and he said, David, uh, do you have plans for lunch? I'm a college student. I'm single. I'm hungry. <laughs> no, I don't. I went over to his house. We had a meal. Then he took me back into his little office. He was a general contractor, built a lot of houses. And he sat down and looked, me, looked at me and said, one of us is leaving. I mean, I've been there six weeks. 
I don't know what your first evaluation was at the first job you had, but I hope it went better than this. I mean, he looked at me and said, one of us is leaving. And I said, well, in my mind, I'm like, you've been here 60 years. I've been here six weeks. I bet I'm the one that's leaving, right? I said, Watson, what's wrong? I'll never forget these words. You don't love us. I said, yeah, I do. He said, all you've done is talk about what we're going to do and this program and that program and, and you preach. But do you love us? And I looked at him and I said, well, Watson, would you give me another chance? He said, I will. And I said, by the way, could I build houses with you? He said, you want to do that? I said, yes, sir, I do. I just want you to help me learn how to love. And for the next three years, that's what I did. I learned how to love. And I will never forget that man and never forget that moment. Because I realized then what Paul is trying to say. It's not about the programs. It's not about your words. It's not about your spiritual gifts and powers. Who cares if you don't have love? And you know, the only way I know to really find a heart of love for people, understand his love for you. I had a hard time receiving his love. I thought if I worked really hard, he would love me. I thought if I really worked hard and, and I was really a good pastor and I did all these things, then, then God would love me. I would impress him somehow. I was an idiot, but that's what I thought. And I remember, I remember changes in my life as I come to believe that God loves me. And it's through the love of God, he changes us. So there was a, there was a business owner and he was in business in California about a hundred years ago and he lost everything. And the only job he could find was working at a citrus packing plant in California. And he would work an hourly wage to get an hourly wage and when he'd get a break, he would, he would go over in a, in a quiet place and he would write love letters to God. Now listen, love letters to God. He's lost everything. He's making minimum wage at a packing plant. And he would write these love letters. Because the one thing that got him through that time, he might have lost everything, but the one thing he would never lose is God's love for him. And he wrote one of the greatest hymns. It's called The Love of God. And his opening lines, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hell. I've been there and I've been there. And the one thing I know is no matter where you are today, the love of God is greater still. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.